Heat Seeking Panther, Miles and Dave, talking about Nicholas Cage. Okay, are are we ready? Yeah, we're we're good. I'm ready. Cool. Oh shit! Well, oh, dude, every time for the. Yeah, but like this, this is something we've been doing. We'll like bullshit for like twenty minutes, and then we'll start the show, and then yeah. we'll realize that none of us have the have the, the roar queued up. Yeah, uh, and if we had just thought of it literally two wait, minutes wait, wait, wait. ago. Ah, <laughs> oh, god damn it! This, like I said, uh, this has been a stupid day, and I'm <laughs> so excited to shit on this movie. Uh, three cubs in the den this week. Um, Kristen, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Can I ask why City of Angels? <laughs> you know, he actually, Dave invited me. I can script me. it her. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, but I've been listening to the podcast and I've been wanting to join eventually. So, well, and you told me that you thought you hadn't seen it, but turns out I've definitely seen it. Okay. That's how on. Forgettable, this movie is like forgettable. Forgettable. Yes. So I was like, oh yeah, City of Angels. Like I kind of remembered the ending, but I was like, maybe I saw like a bits and pieces on cable, and then I started watching it, and I was like, no, I've definitely seen this start to finish. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been like a whole week since I've seen it, and I'm already I'm trying to like narratively piece it together. I will say, if I hadn't like, even though they're not really at all the same movie. I feel like if I hadn't already seen Wings of Desire, I would not be able to remember okay, so it, like much about City of Angels because all the things that I remember are like touchstones or like thematic things that run through both movies. Right, so I tried to watch Wings of Desire, but um, the torrent that I completely legally downloaded um, didn't the it didn't have subtitles. Oh, it didn't have subtitles. That's really annoying. Yeah, yeah, so I just like I just gave up. But you rewatched it, right? Yeah, well, I'd seen it a couple years ago, and I, and I rewatched it again last week to like to prep for this. What's um, uh can can you like because what I know is that like it didn't have a script, right? Uh, it did. It was loose. It was more. Yeah, I mean, it was more of like a story than specific dialogue. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of it is really the whole thing is really monologue heavy. A lot of the movies, the inner monologue of just regular people that the angels are like tuning in on. Oh. So what you get is, I'd say probably like forty percent of the actual like dialogue in the movie is just Berliners being existential about life <laughs> and like being yeah. humans and like what it means to be alive. Okay. Um. So it definitely. Uh, <laughs> is there a love story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there okay. is. There is. But the ending's totally different. Oh. Like she doesn't die. It ends on a much spoiler. Yeah, it's stupid that I have to even say that <laughs> no, on this podcast. But, but um, everyone knows we're gonna get to the end. <laughs> so the ending is a lot happier in in Wings of Desire. That's interesting. Um, or I, w- I don't know. I wouldn't say happier because the tone of the movie isn't happy. It's just right. nothing bad happens at the end. It's still right. kind of dreadfully like European yep. and black and white, but that's but, the um, whole movie. Yeah. But that's the movie. So yeah. Um, there, yeah, there's not a, a big come down like at the end of this movie. Is it Wim Wenders, Vim Venders? How do you say it? The writer director of, uh, wings of desire. Jesus Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. um, 
he apparently liked this movie. He thought they did a good job. Well, he liked, well, here's, he liked the, the, the I'm they, sure he liked the paycheck he got for it. Yeah. He, he liked that they didn't, Hollywood. yeah. <laughs> he liked that they didn't do a straight adaptation of it, which I think is kind of like a backhanded compliment. He, you know, he's like, thank you for not trying to do what I did and ruining it. Thanks for just making your own <laughs> stupid movie. But uh, a little bit of background, this City of Angels, um, uh, this was producer Dawn Steele, who was the first woman to run a major studio. This was her dream project. And uh, she like worked for years and years uh, after seeing Wings of Desire to like, which I think was put like nine years or something before this, Not, maybe, maybe less. But um, she worked for a long time to like make this happen and then died of a brain tumor right before it got released. So um, she didn't get to see uh, what an impact it made on the world. And yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> your life's work being this movie. <laughs> this is, this is, I, so sad. I mean, it's all so sad. I mean, I'm sure she produced a bunch of other really great movies and we're just talking about this one right now, but I think that it's funny that that's like, yeah, that this was, that's I, like her crowning achievement. Yeah. It's, it, it's hard. Maybe she did something more. I, I think it's really sad that this is like what she was working towards. This is her, but I mean, everyone involved with this apparently was very happy with it <laughs> and thought, um, this is a, another thing I, I underlined in, uh, the unauthorized biography of Nicolas Cage, the man behind Captain Corelli by Ian Markham Smith and Liz Hodgson. Um, I still want to get a sample of you saying that whole phrase so that you don't have to say it every time and I can just drop it in post. <laughs> I, I, what's weird is I have to look at the cover of it every time. You don't have it memorized? Ian Markham Smith and Liz, Liz Hodgson. You don't have it memorized, Dave? just rolls off the tongue. Uh, Nick was happiest at the celebrity-packed gala dinner held at... This is about the, the aftermath of the, uh, it being released. The celebrity-packed gala dinner held in San Francisco's ANA Hotel when he was discussing his new movie. But when someone described City of Angels as a, quote, chick flick, he took grave exception. He took offense and said sharply, that's not a term I like. I took my kids to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were bored out of their minds. Like, Dad, what are we watching? Yeah, seriously. I would hate my parents if they took me to see this. It's but, like a very adult movie. Like, you know, the yeah, music and but, like just the tone of it. Like, it's definitely. And yet it's so dumb. Like, it's like, it's like <laughs> what it's like. It's like adult contemporary is like ostensibly for adults, but it's not, you know, it's, it's so like fucking middle of the road and banal. And this is like the adult contemporary movie. And in, in fact, like the only thing I really knew about this movie, I mean like literally everything down to the soundtrack. Yeah. It, yeah the it, piano, it, yeah. the soft guitar. I actually wrote in my notes, I'm a sophisticated adult. <laughs> <laughs> I like I, uh, what I knew about this movie was the soundtrack, which was like, it had three, I don't know if they were number one, but like really high charting songs. Um, so it had the Goo Goo Dolls. It had the Sarah McLaughlin. But what was the other? What was the third? Uh, one? What was the other one? Uh, Alanis Morissette, Uninvited. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. Which plays over the credits, which is weird because it doesn't. It, it, it seems like they just got they had to get her to see. She was really hot right then coming off of Jagged Little Pill. So they like it threw in an Alanis song. And it's also got fucking like U2 and just, 
I, I just, I hate it so, so much. But I knew that you know a bunch of moms had this soundtrack in yeah. the like six disc changer in the mini. Exactly, exactly. It so- was this. It was. Uh, <laughs> well, no, actually, that was, that was that was I think a year or two after. I was gonna say it was this one in that that Sting. Sting album. Yeah, like, uh, it was the it was Brand New Day. <laughs> it was City of Angels. It was probably like Paul Simon Graceland <laughs> and Sting. <laughs> Yeah, all I knew was that the, it, that Goo Goo Dolls song mostly um, with the video and so Dave and I actually revisited the video like we were hanging out last week and we we brought it up to watch it. Yeah, um, and I misremembered a lot of things about it. I, the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. yeah, I remembered more stuff happening. I thought I thought he was because it's just um, it's just what's his face the uh, the lead singer in uh, like a tower I guess. Um, with a bunch of <laughs> different uh, telescopes, like steampunk telescopes, <laughs> you know, and I they thought, all have like a bunch of like weird like knobs and no, like mirrors and back shit. To me. I was yeah, definitely yeah. Goo Goo Dolls fan. W- were you? Not like a a big fan, but I like. Look, you don't have to backtrack. You can own it, <laughs> dude. This song made everyone a Goo Goo Dolls fan for like the three months that it was on like yeah. every radio. It was station. huge. It was, like it was, it was a huge yeah. hit. It like, was my favorite Goo Goo Dolls song. I mean, I it was the only one. <laughs> no. Like baby's, been- baby's black balloon oh, ma- right. makes her fly. Yeah, no, this this song was everywhere, and I re- I remember him like looking through the telescopes and seeing scenes from the movie. Is that what happens? I I feel like we don't actually see what he's looking through in the telescope. I don't remember this video either, no, <laughs> even though we just watched it. No, I don't think they do. I think that we imagined that. <laughs> you just you just see him. <laughs> yeah, we looking. see him looking through the telescopes and seeing scenes of the movie. But then when we then when we rewatched it, I don't I, think I, it happens at all. And if it does, it only happens like once or twice. I think I think he's just looking through the telescopes and we don't see what he's looking at, which is really perverse. <laughs> Why would you do that? So where's well, part the tower? of this movie is a, has like a creepy aspect. Oh yeah, we, I mean we should get deep into that, but I just assumed that this movie had the exact same feel of that, what it feels like to listen to that song. I just thought it was going to be Iris for like an hour and a half. And for the first like half hour before uh, Nick Cage and uh, Meg Ryan actually like hook up, I was like pleasantly surprised because it's really weird also. And then it did, it just turned into Iris. I think like what well, once like the relationship happened, like my brain just like started screaming <laughs> with like boredom. Let's let's go into the plot of it and uh, we can get into what we liked and what went wrong. So uh, City of Angels. Oh, also, OK, the, this is one of three angel movies that came out in the span of like a year or two and like about angels. Well, or? The, yeah, well this movie came out and John, wait, the jo- one with John Travolta. John Travolta. Wait, what was that one called? Michael. 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 Yes. He's like a bad angel who smokes cigarettes and burps and stuff. Oh my God. I totally that forgot was another, about that movie. Like, adult movie. Yeah. 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 That was, I'm pretty sure my folks got that from Hollywood video and we watched it together. Well, I remember seeing like the posters and the, and the ads for it. And just based on that, I was like, Oh, that's a movie that I, that's a movie for adults that I won't understand yeah you know what i mean it was like i didn't even try to f- try to figure out what the movie was about because it just was like looked like something that was not even would not even interest <laughs> me in any way yeah 
And I feel like you were probably right. I do. I love that uh, Nick Cage and John Travolta came off of Face Off and both made Angel movies. Do you think that that says anything about either the movie Face Off itself, the the working relationship with like John Woo or the way that they... Because, like, the whole end of that of face-off had this scene, the shootout in the church. Oh, yeah. And it got, like, really allegorical. Yeah. So I wonder if there was some kind of, like, they got, like, incepted with some kind of, like, Catholic, well, you know. And then <laughs> and then they were just, they gravitated towards, like, guardian angel movies. Well, and, and Nick Cage was, like, talking about, like, God throughout the last, the three action movies, which is a weird thing that I feel like we dug up for this, is that, like, he wanted his characters to all be religious so yeah, maybe this is the culmination of it. I read his reasoning for being in this movie and it kind of makes some sense to me. Um, so he, I mean, he read the script and thought it was really good, which does not make sense to me. Um, but um, he said that he had done three action movies and uh, he wanted to you know, show his range and do something else that um but he he wanted <laughs> he wanted to do something where he could return to a place of childlike wonder he says and uh to keep because he thinks that one of his greatest tools as an actor is being able to be in a romantic headspace versus a cynical headspace. Like if you're too cynical about the world, then you can't be a good actor, <clears throat> according to him. And so he this he, he <laughs> this is like a, uh, uh, he purged out of his system all the the action and I guess. Uh, violence and cynicism that came with uh those really heavy heavy movies like face off and con air and he wanted to basically play a child and so he saw he saw it as like two acting exercises pretty much which was what would it be like to experience life for the first time to be a, a child um and <laughs> The other one is he thought that angels angels shouldn't blink. So <laughs> so until he he becomes human, he tries to uh, to not ever blink. And he actually is was upset because he wanted them to uh, like digitally take a couple of his blinks out and post, and they didn't do it. So those two acting exercises, like putting it into that artistic context for me, sort of forgives some of this for me in my like uh, maybe misplaced hero worship of Nick Cage. No, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, he, I think he actually really succeeded in both of those things. Like he I did. wrote, you know, in a lot of my notes, like he did seem like a child, like a little yep. boy. And he did have the big dopey stare, wide eyes. So he was very successful in that. Yeah. He was trying to (laughs) act like pretty much all with his eyes, which I mean is something. I mean, he has like actual psycho eyes in this movie. Like, like some of the scenes, especially when the other actors like can't see him (laughs) and he's just standing there like staring at whatever they're doing. Like, yeah, it's like dopey, sweet puppy dog psycho. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But that mix is not like a comfortable mix. No, it's not. Because he has like really big, like soulful eyes, I think you'd say. And but when 
there's an invisible person in your house just staring at you and who maybe wants to have sex with you and is just thinking about how they want to have sex with you. Like that's terrifying. I hate that. So let's get into the movie. Yeah. Um, Angels. This uh, Angels. So the thing that I thought was weird, sorry to derail the, the no. recap already, but the <laughs> right right off the bat, the thing that is that thing that kind of throws me off about this is that it's so very specifically religious in the idea mm. of like guardian angels and they refer to they don't ever say God, but they refer to him. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's that. definitely like a deity, like right. a godlike deity or something that like, you know, they all answer to. Um, and that's something that's like pretty much basically missing from Winged Desire entirely. Mm. It's just very mm. like nebulously, they're they're spirits of some kind, and they're not specifically guardian angels, nor do they yeah. like lead people to their death. Right. Um, okay. So it's they just not, kind of like look over people and, you know, yeah. Cause we don't, we don't get, um, too much information about how it works, but I mean, they, we get almost none, which yeah, is really yeah. weird. Like, but we, but we do get this sense, which is, is very like American and just like jobs that it's like a, you're watching them work. Like, you know, yeah. what? like right down to the, and the, the other thing that, that was cool is that they adapted the uniform from the original to city of angels with like the Just trench like, coats. Yeah. Like the ill fitting, like pea coats and scar, like monochromatic scarves and stuff. Yeah. Like that's in the, in wings of desire. Too. That does seem German. They just wear kind of like, you know, okay. What about the fact that they live in the library? Yeah. Is that from wings of it desire? Is. Too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's more, it's more of like a reverence for knowledge, which they touch on a little bit with her being a doctor in, in city of angels. Yeah, but not really like they, I feel like that was not explicitly explained at all. It's just like, they all just live in a library. Yeah. Well, but together. like the library in, in wings of desire is treated more of like a temple or like a gathering place uh-huh. for them. Uh-huh. It's sort of like a holy space, like, uh-huh. you know, so that was, I did air quotes and yeah. people can definitely see me. I could hear <laughs> it in your it. voice. Okay, cool. <laughs> So they live in the library. They wear trench coats. They at sunrise and sundown, they all go to the beach and stare at the sun and can, and hear, uh, that's, that's the, the fuck, the part that tripped me the fuck out about this is when they're, (laughs) they're all just facing like the rising sun. That's something that actually connected with me. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's kind of beautiful. No, it's, it's really, really gorgeous. It's a, it's a beautiful idea. Um, but the execution for me is it's unsettling. Just a a bunch of silent men. Were they all men? No, there was no women. And that, that bothered That's me. That's bizarre. Yeah. So men in black trench coats, all just staring at the sun and hearing these like uh, vocal sample pad keyboard. It's like, like it's like MIDI harp. Yeah. Harmonic or like vocal harmonics or something. And, and that's the sound of that angels hear. That's the celestial sound of the sun setting. Yeah. So that's, that's what angels do. And, and they walk around and kind of gently guide people. Um, so they don't die or when it is their time to die, they, uh, are there to literally walk them toward the light. Yeah. And so we, we see Nick Cage and, uh, his angel buddy who I I know he has a name, but, um, Andre Brower. Okay. That's the actor. 
Cassius or Cassius? Yeah, something like that. And they're um, just hanging out, doing what they do. Um, And Nick Cage sees in the hospital a young doctor who, a heart surgeon, who is trying to save this man's life, but it's his time. But she just tries so hard and she's so beautiful that he gets a boner and decides that he wants to have sex with her. That's all implied, but... This, this I think, is where the system breaks down, the internal logic. <laughs> yeah. Like, clearly, if it's that easy, this has happened many times before. Yeah. So how come they, A, aren't informed about it? Right. B, it's not even, like... It's not common knowledge, apparently, that they can just become human whenever they want. Right, because he learns that as the movie goes on. Exactly. And C, if it has happened before and it's failed miserably so many times, like, don't you think that maybe it's something that wouldn't just be undertaken so haphazardly? Yeah, you. I mean... Like, how can someone whose entire job it is to be an angel just fall in love with somebody immediately like that. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of issues in this with like love at first sight and like what it means to be in love. Like, right. Is it's almost like if he's like a child and then it's like a child falling in yeah, love, but, but, like it's weird. But then that means it's just a crush, which almost makes the whole thing so much darker. Yeah. You know, cause it's like he, he became mortal because he, it was like his first crush and he didn't know how to deal with it. And then she ends up dying. Well, and, and I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, no, like it's, it's like a sick together. joke. Right, exactly. They have like three scenes together where they actually have like conversation. Yeah. So it's like infatuation. It's puppy love. Right. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the, yeah, it's a crush. But they make it out to be like this life altering, deep soul connection love. <laughs> I mean, it's first love. It's intoxicating. I mean, and it's Meg Ryan. It's I mean, Meg I would, Ryan. Like, she was so hot in the nineties. Which, she was angelic looking. Yeah, with I know. I, yeah, I, curls I, I just mean her career was hot. She was. <laughs> well, she was also hot. She, yeah, she, she's beautiful. Dude, I love bring Meg, Ryan. Meg Ryan back. Yeah, what happened to Meg Ryan? Oh, well, she hasn't worked in a while, and she's gotten a lot of plastic surgery, I no, think, which is really sad. Why? Especially since she was so, you know, beautiful. Yeah. Okay, well, back to the angels. The, also, where do angels come from? Because they're not dead people. Like... That is, I think, established that dead people don't turn into angels. Yeah, angels are these different beings. The little girl asks him, "Can I be an angel?" Right, and he says, "Angels are never angels were never humans, or something like that." Right. Mm -hmm. So, where do they come from? Is there a finite supply? Like, if the angels are turning into humans all the time, like, are we going to run out? Maybe that's why they didn't know about it because they had yeah. to like squash yeah, like that kind of info so that they wouldn't keep losing the numbers. And like, if that's the case, is it wrong for me to wish that God was a little bit more organized? I mean, this is an important system. Okay, well, this is what I was talking about being the, I think the internal flaw of the logic of this movie is that there's no way that there could be a benevolent God that sets up a system like this yeah. that also like doesn't take into account 
angels crossing over. Right. Like, like you mean even, like what happens to him? Exactly. Or just like, yeah, I mean like what happens to him? And also presumably people are going to the same place where the angels come from when they die, but that's also like never, sorry, but, I'm just rambling. No, but do, but, like, but no, that's, is, a, I was so bored during some parts of this movie that yeah. I was like, that's where my brain was but going. Is that where angels come from? Cause they just live in the fucking library. Like, uh, do they come from a place? Do they ever talk to God? Is there like, we do don't know. know God? It's, it seems like their whole life is just Who like the orders coming from. Yeah, it seems like they're just wandering around Los Angeles. Right, but like we don't also know that their God is the God. Like, there's, sure. like maybe there's like a corporate like hierarchy system. And like, they're wearing suits? Right, like they're just answering <laughs> to like middle management. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, <laughs> they are all dressed in a uniform. Like, I don't know. It's doing their jobs. Right. So this Maybe movie, before you become a human, like transfer to one of the other religions. Because this one seems kind of fucked up. But again, my point, it's not a specific religion. It right. has, it's dogmatic, but it's not, it doesn't ascribe to any specific system. Yeah. It's, it's too nebulous for my taste. I would have liked this movie a lot more if it just went into the ins and outs of um, the angel lifestyle. No, that's and, what and I'm saying. What, yeah. Like that I think would be an infinitely more interesting movie. Yes. Yes. Too many unanswered questions. Right. But we, like we've seen this rom-com before. Like, yeah, the thing, the new thing you're bringing to the table is the idea of the angels and that realm. So let's go there. Not a lot of calm in this. Yeah. Um, but uh, what, what is it? Rom trash? Like. <laughs> there's rom, rom drum. Rom drum. Rom drum. Rom yeah. drum. God damn it. Um, there's some calm though. Um, the, the, the commiest part I think is when Nick Cage becomes human. Um, it's also the most fun acting wise part. Let's not skip ahead. Let's, let's try and wait. I, okay. So where were we? So he falls in love with angels. Ryan. Yeah. I also wrote little girl in footy pajamas bites it. I, oh no! Oh no! Because that's like how they started no. started out, right? They started out almost it was almost like a sick joke where you're like, <laughs> you know, like what's going on in this movie? Oh, there's a little girl. Oh, she's fucking dead. It's so emotionally manipulative. Yeah, it's yeah. And, and Nick Cage is like, it's okay. But it's actually really well done, and I connected. I remember that was one thing I when I was rewatching. I remembered when I had watched this originally. I was probably like in high school or something, and he asked when people die and they're taking them to heaven, they ask, what was your favorite thing on earth? And the girl says pajamas. And when I was a kid, one of my favorite things was pajamas. <laughs> so that was like such a yeah. sweet moment. Yeah. And I mean, it's so sad, so sad, but it's really <laughs> sweet as well. Like he's guiding her into this white light. Okay. Question though. D do you only get one thing? Like, I mean, pajamas are cool, but like, well, again, we don't know. Right. So, so Nick Cage only asked her one question, but if we're going with the idea that like, there's other levels she goes through before dying. Mm -hmm. Then how do we not know that she gets asked this question like again? Also guys, we don't even know that they're going to heaven. They could be going to like purgatory or something. They could be going to hell. That little girl could be going to hell. You're right. We don't know. We don't know. She, yeah, we don't know. I mean, I would not be calmed to see Nick Cage Nick in a trench coat <laughs> as I died. Um, uh, just staring at me with his big doe eyes. Dude, I, honestly, at the rate we're going, we might be seeing Nick Cage right before we die. <laughs> you, you mean trying to get through? <laughs> get through That's the like plot. the last thing. Oh, we've, we've only got one movie left. 
<laughs> as we're watching the last movie, press we, play. We just see press Nick play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll never so never cold. get to see uh <laughs> Don't fall asleep. Stay awake, Miles. Stay awake. <laughs> USS Indianapolis Spirit of Courage or whatever that movie is. <laughs> As we press play. Um okay. Uh he, he, little girl bites it. He l- watches Meg Ryan and starts getting curious about what the deal is with being a human. And um he meets, uh, what's his name? The guy from NYPD. Yeah. Blue. The guy, Dennis Franz, yeah. um, <laughs> who is used to be an angel. It's hard to imagine him in a trench coat, uh, flying around. Well, but. he got really fat when he, when he became, Oh, uh, right. Yeah. That, yeah. You right. didn't see any like fat right. angels. They no, were all very they were fit. All, right. Their- Cause that's the whole thing is he wanted to be able to like eat and yeah, taste exactly. food and stuff. He's and like, like, Cause he, he knows what it's like to not, and he yeah. knows he's going to die anyway. So he's right. going to enjoy his time Just being a- human by literally eating everything on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he orders so much food. He orders like five entrees at Denny's or wherever and then, they are. And then at the end, he's like, how's the French toast? Bring me some of that. <laughs> um, I related to his character. I felt like he was kind of doing it right. I mean, his like... He, he was definitely having the most fun was, of anyone yeah, in this movie. Exactly. Start to finish. Like uh, when he like strips off all his clothes and just jumps in the ocean. He's got a bunch of kids... Grandkids. Grandkids. Dudes had sex, guys. <laughs> Which is a big deal. Yeah. You angels, were an angel before. angels can't do that. Or is it like, well, because they can eat food, but they can't taste it. So is it like they could have sex, but they can't feel it? I think they, if they could have, they would have. Like, right? Like, if I was an angel, I. Are there I, angels that fuck each other? Dude, these are all good questions. I and w- none of them were answered. I wish we were just making this movie. <laughs> Made it so much better. I want to see the actual city, the city of the angels and what they're doing. No, it's LA. I know I get it, but like, I want to see them going about their life. I want to know. I want to see where they go when they go home. Uh, I the guess library. to the library. The library. They all but, live in the library. But what do they, do they sleep? Do they lay down on top of the, nah, they're angels. They don't need to. Oh God. This is why sex is such a big deal. Right. They don't, they literally have like no biological body functions. Theory, I mean, supposedly. Right. So they're just kind of there. Which means like when he, when he popped into existence, did he just look like, has he looked like Nick Cage for eternity? <laughs> like, do they just get the one form and then they have to stick to it? Or can they like switch the bodies up every couple millennia? Like, how does that work? Was there a time when they were smaller and they like grew and then they just stop? So does that mean that when they're angels, they have kind of the same headspace as like an embryo? If embryos could live in the library and help people. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, that's I'm getting way too far uh, away from what this movie actually is. But we've got the source material. A rom-drum. Yeah. Rom-drum. Stick with the rom-drum. Rom-drum sometimes calm. Um. So yeah, we, he, so he talks to Dennis Franz, right. Franz, Franz, and um, they sit on way up high on top of like a girder floating in the air on a construction site, which they actually did. But like, really, yeah, that's and, terrifying. And Nick Cage is scared of heights, so um, 
He said that plus the uh, in face off when he has to run around on top of the helipad, like this both really hard shoots for him. But <laughs> he, um, I guess because it, it while he was filming this movie, it had been announced that he was going to be the next Superman. Uh, so everyone was, uh, the crew <laughs> was making fun of him being like, come on, Superman, come on, <laughs> which is kind of like way back in fast times at Ridgemont high when he had to hide in his trailer and people were, uh, yelling out apocalypse now quotes at him. Um, does he just get heckled a lot on set? I, I don't think not, not anymore. I mean, in Con Air, he remember he was eating like a can of tuna fish and like a Necco wafer a day or something. And like, just re- no, it was fat free pretzels and, uh, just lean and mean and muscular. So, but yeah, him and Dennis France, they, they had to sit up there and chat. And in the movie, he finds out that Dennis used to be an angel and God, I'm like, so they, yeah. the, the angels like humans have free will. So that's they right. Could, uh, they could again, <laughs> fall oh yeah and that's how you become that's how you become a uh a human yeah is you just jump off you just jump off something something high i guess i think they said you could jump off of like anything like is there a specific height or can you just like what if you're an angel and you accidentally like trip trip, or like you have to do it with intention does that make the difference i think you have to have intention right Mm -hmm. i keep like mentally getting pulled back into what this movie actually is um but so i guess it's kind of like the lucifer thing right like he's an angel and the angel well, yeah, that it's kind of from- dark when you think about it because basically you know you're on top of a building jumping off it's like suicide dark death mm-hmm. but this is what's going to take you to life right you're like getting reborn right you have to die to get reborn yeah but he actually hits the ground when he he does it like the, but the, i guess you hit and then you but which again if it's just intention and not the height of something then why put yourself through that much of a fall just jump off like jump you flip, know flip side why not though because it's the only well if that's the flip side why not go even higher go high just like just like like skydive without a parachute yeah you know go higher go home <laughs> go all to the, the library <laughs> so, <laughs> um well let's talk about meg ryan's character so she's a heart surgeon um she is dating another doctor who kind of sucks, maybe. Yeah, he's a little bit douchey. Yeah. Basically, um, he doesn't like to talk about feelings, and that's why she's attracted to Nick Cage. Right. Yeah. And after she loses the the patient on the table, he kind of like steps in and is like, hey, just, you know, I took you off the schedule. Like, you need some time to yourself. And she's like, don't tell me what to do. Um, so, you know, I don't think Nick would have done that. And then she, yo, Seth, that's his name. Seth. 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 But what bugs me is she sees him wandering around the hospital this late at night in a dark black trench coat. And she's just like, oh, hey, who are you? (laughs) Like, she's not at all like disturbed or suspicious. It's very odd. Well, their conversation is really fucking weird. I mean, uh, again, like it's been a week since I've watched it, but it's, I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's like, like, you know, no, I can't even, I can't even do it. It sounds like the kind of thing that like someone says, it sounds like 
a guy who's like trying to be super deep to yeah. like impress a girl. Exactly. And he's just quoting like bullshit philosophy, like philosophy and like poetry. Yeah. You know what I mean? He falls for it hard. It's, he's just a sentient Goo Goo Dolls song. And I think she likes, would like the Goo Goo Dolls. She's into she would, it. Yeah. She, <laughs> she would have the City of Angels soundtrack in right. her car. Maybe the, maybe the Goo Goo Doll in the tower is, <laughs> is God. <laughs> Like maybe, maybe it's like a cinematic universe where like the music video informs the film and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> I love that theory. Um, That's why he sees them when he looks through the telescopes because he can see, you know, he's sure, got. yeah, he, he has like a telescope for, uh, for every country or something. But then I think, yeah, after they talk in the hospital is when she goes home and it's like, she's in the bath and he's sitting in her bathroom <laughs> just Staring at her while she's taking the sensual bath, but she can't see him. And she kind of, it's kind of implied that she masturbates thinking about him. Did you guys get that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that one. Wait, well, she, she's like in the bath and she kind of like sinks down and is like, oh, like thinking. She's like, and Seth, she's, what kind of name is that? And yeah. She, she like sinks Seth. further into the bath. And then the next time you see her, she's looking in the mirror and just kind of like stroking herself like, huh. Oh. See, I think if this movie came out 10 years later, people would be up in arms about it. Cause you know, there's all the controversy with like the twilight movies and like Edward and that standing in the room, watching her sleep. This is the same thing. It's worse. It's, it is worse. It's he wor- sees her naked. Right. It's worse because he's ostensibly a celestial being. Whereas like, and the thought, I mean, guys, like, am I off base that the thought of angels wanting to fuck you is weird? It's like messed up. Well, no, the only thing weirder than that is them watching you take a bath. Right. And it's also weird because he talks about being childlike and childlike. So it's like mixing that with the sex and it's it's very weird and like creepy and uh, just something's very off. Yeah. Um, They try to make it so romantic and like deep and... Yeah, they play, I mean, they play the whole thing like it's a romance, um, and I guess it is, but it's, it is kind of like a first romance, it's like a high school romance, <laughs> you know, um, for both of it's them. It's like Valley Girl all over again. Yeah, I think he actually, there's a quote from Valley Girl in the movie, she, someone's like, <laughs> let's get out of here, and he's like, where are we going? She's like, anywhere. It's like the exact same thing that they say um, in Valley Girl. I'm trying to find the quote in my notebook, but the only quote... Oh, yeah. Let's go where? Anywhere. So I, I keep derailing this, talking about the Goo Goo Dolls, but... Because honestly, is- it's more interesting than what actually happened. But, okay, so, so essentially, they, he makes himself known to her. Yeah, uh, which is, I guess you can decide to do that. You can just... Yeah. Which he learns in this movie. Right. You can just decide, even though he's been alive well, for millennia. Well, because then he goes to, De- like, Dennis Franz's party right right and then yeah. and he's like interacting with his wife and his grandkids and stuff so he's right. definitely like he definitely has the ability to make himself you know Seen visible to and, humans and, and be and able heard. to interact with them yeah and uh the little girl really likes him and uh they take a polaroid with him and in the polaroid he's just a big glowing ball of light which uh i, I was looking at the imdb trivia and i thought it was funny because someone put that in the trivia they're like did you notice? <laughs> um, and I did. Uh, but yeah, he, he's there again. And, and she, Meg Ryan's been kind of obsessing about him since she saw him in the hospital. And it was just like, you know, he was just radiating 
emotion and and sex and he's everything that uh dr dan isn't and she so she's like and dennis franz is her patient also we should say that she wants him to stop eating uh a million pounds of French everything toast on the, a day everything on the menu. <laughs> um, because she's a heart doctor, but uh, he doesn't give a shit. And uh, so she goes to his party and she's like, uh, is Seth going to be there? Seth is there and they have more boring conversation. And then. So the, the something I did find interesting about this movie that makes it different from other rom-droms, sometimes comms <laughs> is that uh, it, uh, a, a lot of that like small talk as they're getting to know each other is philosophical and like theological questions oh, yeah. about like what it means to be human. Right. And you know, why, why are we put on earth? Is there a God? That sort of stuff. Yeah. Like no run of the mill, get to know you no, type of stuff. Let's at all. Just dive no. right in. They all just jump to like really, really, you know, intense uh, existential in, interrogation and I like way quotes I believe yo so what what's the what's the um significance of a movable feast like oh yeah is, it, is it anything specific or that is went it over my head too like yeah I wasn't quite uh, sure I or is it just like someone thought that it would be deep because Hemingway is I feel like Hemingway. that was I feel like well, yeah. since, well since he's in a library he obviously is like a deep thinker and loves literature so it was like someone's idea who apparently well, has like never read anything after high school of like what like a really <laughs> deep you know like adult right uh, novel like well, and they is. and they have him they have an old man reading it and Nick Cage just listens in his head and he's like yeah now this is a book which that's crazy too sorry another sidebar the way the angels gain knowledge ostensibly is just by just tapping into humans and like listening to them read yeah. or talk about things right yeah they're little knowledge parasites so yeah he he drops off the book and starts wooing her from the beyond and uh she but then he keeps popping up at these random places she's at which is also really creepy. Like I would start to think stalker vibes like, or after it happened the first time, I would immediately think stalker vibes. Like, like it wouldn't, I wouldn't not even one of those situations. I'd be like, Oh, that's a coincidence. You know? Yeah. Like, no, it doesn't really make any sense. It just escalates so quickly. Doesn't. Um, okay. I, I'm just going to read a couple of my notes. Um, so I'm trying to remember what happens and I swear, like, the, so I, I wrote down the quote, listen, can you hear? I'm growing. That's what the little girl says to Nick Cage at the barbecue. Oh, okay. She knows that he's different because she right. makes a comment about, oh, I like you because you're like grandpa. Like she knows that maybe not explicitly that they're angels, right. but she knows that they're special. Yeah. So angels can hear you grow. What does your body sound like when it's growing? Oh, I mean, like the context for that line. I have no clue what that's supposed to mean. It like, sounds to me I thought like that a, she was like tapped into the angels. She knew no, about, it, and she knows that they can hear when you grow. Maybe that's like a sorely undeveloped plot point, though. <laughs> if that's the only time they bring it up, <laughs> I think I was just reaching for stuff. And he, um, he also he cuts through his thumb in front of her with a sharp knife. Beautiful and, CGI there. And dude, it was like a Cronenberg shit. Like it, it's really gross. No, it gets really dark. Like she basically stabs him yeah. with a knife because he slices right. through his own finger. Accident what if she was wrong? Up. No, exactly. But she's like, wait, you're not bleeding. Let me stab you again. <laughs> 
yeah, imagine you like cut someone's hand off and you're like, I'm sorry, I just, I wanted, I thought you might be an immortal being. <laughs> um, and then she asks him, she's like, hold on, wh who is this guy? What's your name? And he says, Seth Plate, because <laughs> he's looking at a plate, which was a little calm for you. <laughs> That's maybe the only calm for me. And, and so she, she tells him to go away. Oh, and he I goes, underlined the line. She says, I cannot conceive of it. Like she gets so, it's so melodramatic. And she's like. Oh, right. Because he tells her she's a, he's an angel. Which is just like crazy. Like, of yeah. course you would think that someone's crazy and kick them out of your house. Right. Yeah. Well, and so when that happened and then, and then Dennis, and then Dennis, uh, Franz tells Nick Cage earlier when they're sitting above right. in the construction site, Nick Cage asks him, does your wife know? Right. And he says, I, I thought I might tell her a couple times, but I decided not to because, uh, I didn't write the exact line down, but it's like, uh, he, uh, he basically, he like, doesn't want to like shatter her yeah. reality. Yeah. But, and so, but, and, and then, Fair and then enough. when this whole thing with Meg Ryan happened, where like you, if you actually tell someone the truth, like what their reaction is going to be. Yeah. And I realize that it's actually really an extremely like heavy burden, like the yeah. truth of your, you know, in, in Dennis Franz's case, humanity. And I guess in any other angels case, just the truth of who you are, yeah. you know, if you actually want to get involved in the world of humans is like a burden you maybe will never overcome. Yeah, it is. And to be it, part of the world of humans, you have to kind of kill yourself at least in the long term, like you take yourself out of the immortality game, which is pretty heavy and a heavy burden to put on a human too. Um, though he doesn't really, he doesn't really ask her before he, I mean, I guess it's his, uh, no, no. Well, th this is, this is the time. This is when he does it is after she freaks out and leaves. Yeah. But she, okay. But she freaks out and leaves and then, and is like, go away. And he does. But then he just like pops into her bedroom and starts feeling her up. <laughs> Wait, and I missed she that knows part. He's there. She was like, he's like behind she's her. Like, just like, stay with me until I fall asleep. She's into it. Oh, like, I, she can't I see him, but she like senses miss that, he's that there. whole scene, I guess. Yeah. She's kind of a freak. I mean, she's it, a little twisted. There's something a little, a little off about her. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, what a power trip to have yeah. an angel want to, and like, I don't know. I just think, I, I don't know if it's a healthy relationship. No, it's definitely not. There's a, there's fucked up power dynamics and, uh, but, but what I think they're each getting out of it is intrinsic to those power dynamics. Yeah. So that's why I think when he does become mortal, if he, if she had survived, that relationship would have like crumbled pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I mean, it was so based too. on like whimsical right. kind of dreamy, serious, philosophical dialogue that they have like yeah. over the span of three conversations yeah. and like sexual tension. That's right. all it is. It's a high school romance. Yeah. But yeah, so he, uh, he jumps and um, we get the, the best scene in terms of Nick Cage being uh, fun to watch. Right. Well, uh, can, can I talk about the fall sequence yes, for a second? Please. All I'm going to say is it's like a crazy art house movie in the time of like time span of like two and a half minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is really good. It's just really impressionistic. And was it's, there chanting before he jumps? Yeah. Yeah. There's there like was chanting. Yeah. There. I thought that was actually a really cool. Scene, right. Yeah. yeah. And then like they, they do a lot of this that with like the shapes moving in the, uh, what's it called when you flip the the black and white? It's like a term for that. L like negative, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, that's a cool sequence. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, that that was the best part. And he puts his hands up like he's Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's the chanting in the background, like right. he's really building. Yeah, it's like a, a little bit like a Creed video too. They probably would have been on the soundtrack if it had come out just a couple years later. I this is a note I wrote, and it I said. She knows baby is gonna die. How? God, this sucks. Just end. What? What? What baby? Who's? You can cut this it's, out, if Miles. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> no, I will. I will. I can. I. So I wrote this in the in the same relationship to what you're referring to. I also wrote this in all caps, underlined, operating on a baby. <laughs> And I don't know why. I don't, I I don't remember that no, no, part. No, 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 I remember. I remember because when she's in the hospital and she's feeling down, she goes and hangs out with the baby. Oh, yeah. Right. She goes to the pediatric ward. Yes. And she, there's a baby that won't stop crying. And, and they can't figure out what's wrong with the it. the baby can't sleep become a, because of a murmur or something. No, she figures it out and she saves the but baby. she's like in bed and she wakes up. And is like, the baby's going to die and runs to the hospital. Did she actually say that? No, she doesn't. <laughs> no. And then, and then she, t- so then she tells her friend who works in the pediatric <laughs> ward and she's like, oh my God, I can't believe you figured that out. Right. That, that has to be it. And then they, and then they cut to the next scene is her friend operating on the baby. <laughs> But they just like pan past it, like and then and then focus on Meg Ryan. But it's it's it's, it's, it's such a like I obviously there are people that operate on children, right. but I don't. I just think that I'd never actually like. That's it's really another intense. it's another loaded image, yeah. just like him cutting through his hand, just like him, like yeah, it's it's yeah. Infant heart surgery is very you know. I mean, regular heart surgery is already like I don't know we, that that shit that shit tripped me out to just yeah. like, think about someone having to operate on a on a like infant. And I mean, the the heart surgery scene before is pretty graphic. Like you see the fucking heart beating and her like cutting into it. Like I just there are these images and scenes that have this weight and gravity that I feel like the movie is not prepared to like present in a way that actually deserves you know going back to like actually towards the beginning of the movie when that she loses the patient and Nick Cage sees her for the first time when she's delivering the news to the family she's like a robot oh yeah yeah, that was was a hard scene to watch and I guess like maybe that's like that when Doctors talk to patients' families, but it still seemed like so... I think more specifically, it was... It did it poorly, but I think the intent was to show us that she was not prepared to do that. And so she just kind of, like, shut down emotionally Mm, in order to get through it. And and I think that's part of why she, like, kind of, like, spiraled out after that. Because, like, she had to do that part of it, too. And and they're like, you were supposed to save him. And, uh... They're sad. Like, I think the scene of the little girl with the fever dying and that scene. Yeah. Were, like, more... They really came out... They, like, blew their load way too early. With yeah. This yeah, they did. Like, those scenes, I actually was emotionally invested in the characters. Mm-hmm. And then, like, never again. Even when she died, I wasn't... Yeah. Like, I didn't care as much. Right. No, I didn't either. 
I, I mean, I, but you know, I you can't have like a whole movie of Nick Cage just like taking people from the hospital to their death. But, so I understand. I mean, like, it is a, a rom drum. Yeah, I it's not like, just a drum. <laughs> it is. It is a rom drum. <laughs> so you need some There's, of the rom. You got in some there. rom. You got some calm. You can't. It can't all be drum. The, 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 I just feel like it's kind of like narratively fucked up that these deaths in the movie exist just as a vehicle for their romance. Like it's just it, it, the, the people dying, it's sort of like the movie kind of treats it like, yeah, you know, people die. You, well, you get angels, angels come by and people die. But like, imagine how these people dying and how it affects Meg Ryan's love life. Right. Or also, you know, and the idea of him dying as an angel, right. it's like, we're supposed to think that him dying to be human is more significant than like a four-year-old dying. Yeah. I don't know. They treat, it's really sappy and like fuck and maudlin and they like hammer on it, but it doesn't feel like it. Ha- is treated narratively with the gravity like tonally I, I they're like this is sad this is sad stuff but we're supposed to be more invested <laughs> in how meg ryan is horny all right so oh god where are we yeah so well, nick cage di- dies ish as an angel he die he jumps he's born he's born again right literally and, yeah and uh it's, it's like running down the street like a madman just ranting to himself and singing and uh asking people what color is this <laughs> which is also in wings of desire as well yeah where, yeah where I, I, he he runs past someone and then asks them like what color i, I liked are. that scene um th- and he's feeling like pain for the first time and like yeah. all these new sensations. He, oh, when he tastes his blood, that was another thing that they kept from the oh, original too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then he, he's just running around being like, I, where's my girlfriend? Where's my doctor girlfriend? And these thugs just fucking beat him up. They beat him up and take his shoes, which sucks. And, um, and then he finds out she's uh, like holed up in her dad's Tahoe cabin. Right. He hitches a ride right. uh, in a in a semi truck thanks to his angel buddy, who's like best wingman ever. Yeah, get right. it. <laughs> he um, <laughs> sends a, a semi truck with a friendly driver who stops in the like pouring rain with this like man in a trench coat and no shoes. <laughs> He's like, yeah, hop in. And takes him to uh, Tahoe and Tahoe, (laughs) and uh, they have sex. So one not the man, not the truck driver (laughs) engaged. It becomes a totally different movie at that point. (laughs) (laughs) You you can come along, but But uh, there's going to be a price. What that angel mouth do? (laughs) So he he goes. He somehow finds Meg Ryan's cabin and. they have a long sex scene, which apparently took two days to film. Dude, banging Meg Ryan for two days? In front of a bunch of people with lights and cameras and stuff on you. That's intense. Yeah. It's um, probably really hot. It's like a fire going. It's very cozy. Yeah. And like, even though there's no lights on in the scene, you know that there were a hundred like stage lights on just to get it to look like there's no yeah. lights on. So they're probably all sweating. Dude, I, I just always, when I watch scenes like that, now that I've like actually worked on sets, I just picture, I picture like me, like eating like a granola bar over at like the crafty table or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's something that I thought was really made the sex scene comical uh-huh. Uh is if it needed I mean, maybe there's some more calm creeping in quite, quite literally. 
but there, like this, the sex talk that they were, they were, it was like meta sex talk. What did like, they say? Do you remember when he was like, "Tell me how it feels." Ooh. Yes, and then she's like, "Tell me how yeah. this feels." Right, and Ooh. then yeah, there was like some weird. He was basically. She was asking him to describe to her what having sex for the first time feels like while they're fucking. She's and she f- took his his virginity. Right. She's yeah. a freak. Right. She wants to know what it feels like for a grown man baby <laughs> who has sex for the first time. Who's I like think new it's like to his body and the physical sensation anyway, and right. then all of a sudden he's having sex. Like, yeah, I think a it's lot. a fucked up power thing, guys. I really do. I think that she's getting off on uh, on the fact that she made him that she took his angel cherry. I feel like I'm being really vulgar this episode. <laughs> anyway, um, God, they have sex and then they just settle into married life. Yeah. Um, do you notice that we see Nick Cage's penis? Do we? Do we? In the sh- when he's taking a shower, I miss he, that. Uh, yeah. It's in silhouette, but y- you can see it. Full frontal, guys. Hmm. Um, the scene where he like stands up in the shower, or or no, I think it's right. I think it's after the water turns off. And he's just like posing with his arms. Like there's like the shot of him from the back. Oh, and they're outstretched. Yeah. Yep. Christ pose. He's got both his arms outstretched. <laughs> and like no the longer. camera just pans from the tip of one finger up his arm across his shoulder and back down the other arm to the other <laughs> hand. It was a really weird shot. Yeah, it I, lasted for like 20 <laughs> seconds too long. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's having a great time. And uh, they're getting ready to, what, go on a picnic or something? They're talking about being married. They're already talking about, like, marriage and their right. whole lives together. And and then what, Meg Ryan? I go- mean, prenup. Like, seriously? <laughs> yeah. Guys, I know he's an angel, but. There's a whole cottage industry of angels that just become human to marry people for their, like, wealth and, just and grifter, possessions. Just grifter and then- angels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. And then they, t- they tell their angel friends, they're like. Okay, I'm going in. Yeah. Uh, give me like a day and then take her out of the, <laughs> you know, I got her. And uh, I mean, that's kind of what happens. Meg Ryan is super happy. She goes on a nice little bike ride. And then we see a car coming. It's not just a car. It's a logging truck. A logging truck. Quick cut to a candle being blown out. Although oh. it's slow motion. The truck is moving in slow motion. So we see it. We know it's coming. Right. But Meg Ryan can't see slow motion. No, because her eyes, because she's doing this stupidest fucking move on a bike on like an abandoned country highway. What's she doing? Riding with no hands with her eyes closed. So this death scene is so sappy and so manipulative. (laughs) But you know what? I still like it still got me. And I hated this movie. Oh, I didn't hate it, but I just did not. I didn't like this movie. And it's still this death scene. It was the only thing I remembered about the movie. Yeah. Did, you know, it still like touched me in this way, even though I like wasn't even really invested in the characters. Were you upset that it touched you? Yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't want it to, but it got me anyway. No, I know. And there's something really insidious about the way that it trapped you, I think. Because I, the thing that got me was that it wasn't just sad. 
the cruelty of the whole, like, you know, the, yeah. like the cruel irony of the whole situation was what, what was what really clinched it. It is really cruel. Yeah. If like it, does, it seems like he's being punished. I mean, I think that that's my, that's my take on this movie is that yeah. he was being punished because then when he talks to the, when he talks to his angel friend afterward and he asked him, it was this to punish me. Right. And his, and his angel friend says something really cryptic, like, you know, that's not how it works. Oh, right. But right. I think that was just him being like, obviously like, shut up. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. I feel like that's like an angel being like mysterious ways. Yeah. Right. Which to me there, I think there was some foul play there, but you know, um, but Nick Cage goes to the beach and body surfs his way to acceptance. Can I, can I mention one thing only because I wrote this note down, uh, the scene right after where he's in the market, like shopping and he picks up the pear and there's the really <laughs> yeah. sappy string music as right. he reminisces about them eating pears together. Right. And he asked right. her to describe what, uh, wh- I wrote what it a- down because this was a, this is a highly psychedelic sentiment. He said, I don't know what a pear tastes like to you. <laughs> and I was like, that is fucking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, did you write down what she said? Cause like, how do you describe taste to someone who doesn't, sure. who's never tasted anything? Well, it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm red, green, colorblind and, yeah, and people, exactly. yeah, like, you, you know, when you start thinking about things like color, you're like, oh, nobody actually probably sees the same colors. Nobody tastes the same pair. We just agree on names for them, but mm-hmm. not, we can't ever agree on what they look like or right. taste like. I mean, we're trapped by our own senses and like the limits of our perception. Which I think is kind of the big exclamation mark at the end of this movie is like the, the twist from life is beautiful to life is cruel back to life is beautiful if you want it to be. Uh-huh. It's like a weird thing about, yeah. it's like really, really sappy sentiment about like uh, being being human is the greatest gift of all or right. like something like that. Yeah, we've been you know? given a gift that even angels would kill themselves for. There, There is something to all of that. It's just the way that this movie like whiplashes between the, yeah, the, those sentiments is just exhausting and boring at the same time. Well, because at the end of the day, this is just like a run-of-the-mill romance, rom-drum. Yeah. But then they're trying to put on all this religion and philosophy and like, it's just all over the place. Yeah. And, the, and I think the thing that ultimately tanks, tanks this movie is they tried to incorporate certain elements from the original. Uh-huh. But I think in order to have made the rom-com they wanted to make and did make, because the rom, the rom part of it is wrapped up with a nice tidy bow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas the, all the other crazy philosophical, you know, all the questions like buds that, been, that don't yeah. quite ever open are just kind of left to die there on the vine. And, and, and so I think if they had tried to not even approach that aspect of the original, everything like, you know, human, human life being very like poetic and, yeah. you know, um, then this would have been a fairly mediocre, you know, romantic movie. And that would have, that would have been the end of it. Yeah. Well, it seems to me that like they, they could have made a movie about what it means to be human, what it, you know, and existence and the afterlife and et cetera, and used the romantic story as like a framework to build that on. But they did the opposite. They wanted to tell this really basic 
like love story that like you said is just it, it it's just like puppy love and then they use this super high concept to tell it which is a much worse movie than right. the, the weird movie that it could have been and like scene to scene like detail to detail kind of is because then at that point it's just like you know it's just really pedestrian theology. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and you touched on some shit without actually right. saying anything. Right. So he body surfs just like Dennis <laughs> Franz. And that's literally the end of the movie. And he just like looks up in the sky and it's just kind of like worth it. <laughs> you know? He's got this like dopey grin on his face. <laughs> and he's just like, <sighs> I, and I'm just not buying it. Like you didn't, I, I didn't buy it, but the, the biggest thing I got out of this is, uh, having been somebody who grew up when the Goo Goo Dolls Iris was everywhere. Yeah. I'm bringing it back there. Um, I didn't realize that the lyrics to Iris are just literally about this movie. Really? I, I'd give up forever to touch you cause I know that you feel me somehow. He would give up being immortal, and he knows that she can feel his angel boner when he's he's, when he's literally her take feeling her up when she told him to go away. You're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be. See, I mean that's beautiful. He he's been to heaven, but she's heaven for real. And I don't want to go home right now to the library. <laughs> and all I can taste is this moment because he can't taste. But what does this moment taste like to you, Dave? Um, ooh, <laughs> and, and all I can breathe is your life. I mean, okay. And sooner or later it's over. I just don't want to miss you tonight. Again, she told him to go away <laughs> and he said, no, I'm going to pop into your room. And- See, I think what happened was that they had this song done and they were like, we need a movie for the soundtrack. And they were like, these lyrics are ambiguous enough. Maybe they changed like one reference to heaven or something, but the, I, you know, I mean, Okay. You can't fight the tears that ain't coming. You can't cry. Or the moment of truth in your lies. When everything feels like the movies. This is a movie. It feels like the movies because he's in a movie. Yeah, you bleed just to know you're alive. He bleeds for the first time, tastes his blood. Also, these lyrics are hella emo. Yeah, so emo. Like just, I don't want like, the world to see me because I don't think that they'd understand. When everything's meant to be broken... I just want you to know who I am. Like hearing you read it off the page, that sounds like my chemical romance lyrics. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only this had been made like 10 years later. <laughs> um, so that was, a, you know, I, I appreciate, I see, I picture um, the Goo Goo Dolls guy there like, cause they were like a punk band before they made that album. Um, they put out a, I've had people in my life tell me that the first two Goo Goo Dolls albums are good. I don't believe them, but (laughs) I, um, and I think they really like, they were like, we want to play the game. We want to make money doing this. And they had people, they had somebody pitched them for this and they were like, okay, we need a song. Can you write a song about this, our angel movie? And he's like, I'll write the best goddamn song you've ever heard. You make a compelling argument. Yeah, I don't know why. I just, I just would rather talk about that uh, song than this movie. Apparently, well, because the the cultural shadow, 
until I saw this movie, yeah, that was the only thing I knew about this movie. Right, was that song and that video. Right, you know, like I didn't. And uh, and uh, that Sarah McLaughlin song too is uh, actually I actually kind of like that song. Um, that's on uh, that that montage is where the movie lost me. Which where where was that? After I think it's the one after she goes home. After she yells at him, where he oh, where, yeah, after where the she big stabs fight. him in the kitchen, yeah, and she's like sulking and you know being wistful at home. In the arms of the angels. See, I just think of the like abused animal shelter <laughs> commercial when <laughs> I hear that song. I know. <laughs> Is that what they played on those? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Christ. And they've been doing it for a year. I don't know how many years, years but they've years. been airing those <laughs> they've been airing those fucking commercials forever. I th- I think about Massage School cuz that was on one of the uh the mix CDs that they would play when we were in <laughs> which is also like weirdly literal. Like you're in the arms of an angel now. <laughs> I don't know where to fit this in, but uh director of this movie Brad Silberling um just to give a sense of his career before this movie, he directed Casper. You remember Casper? I looked that up too. And I thought that was actually really interesting. Another movie about a girl and a, like a ghost afterlife. in this case. And who wants to become human pup- to love her. Yeah. Who yeah, wants to, puppy yeah. Love wants and to fuck her. Honestly though, Devin Sawa over Nick Cage. Oh, like yeah. seriously that like as a young girl seeing that movie, that was everything to me. Devin Sawa. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, after City of Angels, he did Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events and Land of the Lost with Will Ferrell. So, yeah. And, it's, quite, it's quite a resume. And that's pretty much it. Like, he he did a, his own, like, pet project called Moonlight Mile that no one ever saw and a movie called... Uh- 10 items or less. That was also a pet project. That I no think one it's, ever saw. I, it's really interesting when there's directors that no one knows about, or like the general public doesn't know about that, that do a bunch of the genre hop a lot and yeah. do a bunch of like really weird, you know, movies that kind of fell between the cracks that right. don't have any kind of, you know, um, no stylistic tie in. Right. I think that's interesting too. I mean, he's essentially a journeyman, but he only has six movies to his name, but all the, besides the two that he uh, wrote, which no one has ever seen, um, the, the other ones were like big, big money, like big productions, and yet no one knows his name and they don't really have... Because like all of his movies were big productions, but none of them are classics. No. You know, and, and, like they, but, they, they f- uh, serve the purpose of hitting number one the week of Memorial Day or Labor Day or July 4th or whatever, but then just no one remembers them. And thinking about some sort of like stylistic through lines or something, like some sort of artistic touch to them, I like can't, I don't know. I didn't see Land of the Lost, so maybe maybe it has shades of City of Angels, I don't know. It's actually a sequel. <laughs> Land of the Lost is is where- Is that heaven? yeah. Well, as we learn, it's not actually heaven. It's it's where the middle management of heaven is. <laughs> right, right. So have we beat this movie into the ground? Yeah, and, I think so. Um, so I think next time, I think we're doing Superman. I think we should, uh, I think. Okay. That, we, we should, we should watch the, do- we should watch a documentary on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I've never seen. Uh, I'm excited about because this is a, 
Do we, can we like tie it into the next movie or should we do it, give it its own episode? Is it enough to do a whole episode on? I think, I think it might be. Okay. I, um, Wait, Nick Cage was Superman? Almost. Almost. <laughs> he was almost. So, uh. And I'll cut this part out because I'm sure something yeah. will go over the intro to next time. Yeah, we we'll, never made it for some reason. Like, let's watch. Never got made. Let's watch the documentary and see if it's enough to carry an episode. And okay. if it's not, we can uh, double it up. But either way, I'm really excited to uh, to find out that whole thing because it's one of those like the great like cinematic what ifs. All right. Well, um, we're so bad at wrapping up. Yeah. But well, oh wait, we I'm sh- so Chris and I. I ask all of our guests this. Uh, top three, top three cage roles for you. I actually just watched um, Wild at Heart, so I, that's probably my number one right now. Raising Arizona, and then Great probably choice. Con Air, just for the ridiculousness. No, Hell dude, yeah. that's that's a that is a like trifecta. Right yeah, there. that's a solid <laughs> list. I, I'll watch those movies any day of the week. Still. <laughs> um, okay, well, the thing we always forget to do is say uh, we're on Instagram. Oh, yeah. At, we're so bad at social media. At Heat Seeking Panther. No, but you've been killing it on the moments. Miles has been killing it. I have it. to, especially for movies like this, I have to keep myself occupied. Yeah. So it's fun to choose the scenes that I decide to put up. Yeah, and uh, something I never ask, but I should, is... If you are one of the mysterious people who is actually listening to this show, rate it on the iTunes store. Rate it and uh, let people know that we're the best Nick Cage podcast out of the like 10 other ones or however many. And until next time, I'm trying to think of a good sign off. I was going to try to do a roar, yeah. but I was like, this oh, yeah, is not no, going to come that, across. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, no, let's hear it. Can you give us one more? Give us a really good one.